What a great series, huh? Jesus. You can't get better than that, right? And, uh, you know, um, a study of who Jesus is and what he did. How important is that? I think it's most important because of the fact that, you know, the more you know who Jesus is and the more you know what he did, the greater level of blessing and favor you can live in in your life, right? I mean, um, you know, Psalm 9 and 10 says, those who know your name put their trust in you. See, our knowledge of Jesus determines what we receive from Jesus. Like whenever I knew about Jesus, you know, for a long time, but there were things about Jesus I never knew, so therefore I never experienced that. But the more I learned about Jesus, the more I've been experiencing Jesus. Come on, are you with me? And the more you know Him, the more you're going to love Him. You know, I'm convinced that people really realize who Jesus is. Everybody would want to say, who wouldn't, right? I mean, He just came to change your life for the better. I mean, who wouldn't want that, right? He came to give you eternal life instead of spending your eternity separation, separated from Him. Who wouldn't want that, right? And so we need to know Him. Amen? Now, the first week, Pastor Brandon talked about Jesus the teacher. He can teach you how to live a fulfilled and a rich and prosperous life. And then the second week, he talked about Jesus the shepherd. How many of you know he is a shepherd and he will shepherd us? He will shepherd our souls. He will lead us. He will guide us. He will defend us. He will stand beside us and he will pursue us. He's a good shepherd. How many of you need a good shepherd? Amen. And then last week, Pastor Brandon talked about Jesus the miracle worker. How many of you ever experienced a miracle in your life? You know, hey man, God is a God of miracles. In fact, you know, as I was thinking about this, you know, um, Mr. Aaron and Miss Louise, they're here at church this morning back here, and it's the first time that they get to come to church, or Miss Louise, in probably a couple of months. Uh, she had some stones that was bothering her, and she had one so big, they put a stint in and said, we can't remove it, uh, put it on some antibiotics, and said, you know, whenever we get rid of the infection, then we're going to deal with it. And so um, my brother Tim and Kim, they went to visit him. And so they prayed over Miss Louise. And, and Miss Louise said, Tim specifically prayed. I pray that that stone is not there when they go to remove it. Well, guess what happened this past Monday? They went in to remove that big stone that they said there's no way she could pass. And they said, well, it's gone. They said, well, what happened to it? I don't know. It's gone. Come on. How many of you know? That's a miracle. Amen. Now, why did Tim pray that that stone wouldn't be there, that a miracle would happen? Because he believes in a God of the miraculous. Do you believe in the God of the miraculous? Amen. Come on. Ooh, that'll fire you up right there. Amen. So, Miss Louise, welcome back. She had her Easter early. The stone has been rolled away. Amen. <laughs> Amen. So now today we're going to. <clears throat> Excuse me. We're going to explore another characteristic of who Jesus is. Jesus is the Lamb. In John one twenty nine, it says the next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him, and he said, "Look, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. He is the one I was talking about when I said, a man is coming after me who is far greater than I am, for he existed long before me." Now, this is a prophetic statement that John was making here. And he, he long before everybody else knew who Jesus was, John knew this is the Lamb of God. Come on, how many of you know Jesus 
is the Lamb of God. Now today is Palm Sunday, which is the beginning of Holy Week, right? And the day in which we know Jesus entered into Jerusalem riding on a donkey and they put palm leaves. You remember that story? That's, that's today. That's the beginning of Holy Week. And the important thing to note, it was during the feast of Passover when Jesus was coming in to Jerusalem, uh, a time in which God gave the Israelites specific instruction concerning sacrificing a lamb in remembrance of his great deliverance in Egypt. Every household was to sacrifice a lamb as part of the feast of Passover or the Passover celebration. And literally hundreds of lambs would be sacrificed at Passover in obedience to God's instructions given to Moses to the children of Israel. And so, which was just really a picture of Jesus the lamb. And so you don't understand you, you don't know what Jesus the Lamb means unless you understand all of this, right? 1 Corinthians 5, 7 says, Christ, our Passover Lamb, has been sacrificed for us. Now, what is the significance of Jesus the Lamb? To understand the significance of Jesus as the Lamb, we have to go back to the book of Exodus, right? And look at the details of the original Passover. There is a vital connection to the sacrificial lamb and the miraculous deliverance of Egypt, in of, of Israel rather, in Egypt, right? And so remember when the children of Israel were under such bondage in Egypt. You know, remember Joseph was the one that went to Egypt. Remember he got sold into slavery. He went over there. The Lord told him, gave him some instruction, seven years of feast, seven years of famine, save while you're in famine or in, in uh in feasting, and you'll have some food in, in the famine. And so all the Israelites ended up, remember, all of Jacob's family ended up, rather, to in Egypt. Well, there's a generation that grew up that didn't know the hand of deliverance, right? How God had provided. And so the children of Israel were still blessed. And uh, and they were multiplying. And they, they were getting larger. And, and Pharaoh got nervous about it. So he says, let's, let's put them to work. And let's make them make bricks and, and started enslaving them. And they had to build bricks and they had to get straw. They would give them straw and they had build bricks from sun up to sundown. They had to build bricks and, and, and they didn't have any time for leisure and pleasure. And so they still continue to multiply. So Pharaoh said, no, we got to do worse. We got to do better than this. Don't give them any straw and, and, and tell them they got to make as many bricks or more. And so, and, and if they didn't make his, if they didn't meet the quota of bricks, they got beat and they got, they got oppressed. So they won this great oppression. And so they started crying out to God, deliver us, Lord, deliver us. And so God called Moses. Remember, God called Moses and, and Moses was to lead the people out of Israel to convince Pharaoh to let them go was the 10 plagues. Remember the 10 plagues. And, and the first there was the, the plague of the blood where the Nile turned into blood. And, and then there was the plague of boils and, and the plague of hail. And then there was the locusts and, and the plague of darkness and frogs and gnats and flies and livestock. And then the, the very last plague that God sent upon Egypt to convince Pharaoh to let the children of Israel go was, remember what it was, the death of the firstborn. Remember that? 
It was the death of the firstborn. He was going to send a death angel that was going to kill all the firstborn sons except for the families of the children of Israel. In Exodus chapter 11 and verse 5, every firstborn son in Egypt will die from the firstborn son of Pharaoh who sits on the throne to the firstborn son of the slave girl who is at her hand mill and all the firstborn of the cattle as well. There will be loud wailing throughout Egypt, worse than has ever been or ever will be again. But among the Israelites, not a dog will bark at any man or animal. Then you will know that the Lord makes a distinction between Egypt and Israel. So we see from this passage right here that the children of Israel were going to be supernaturally protected from this death angel. Get that picture in your mind. This death angel is going to come over Israel and every household in Egypt, every Egyptian household, they were going to lose their firstborn, including the firstborn of their cattle. And so whenever that happened, there was wailing throughout Egypt. Yet the children of Israel's household was protected. Isn't that incredible? They were going to be protected. They were, and to do that, they were to sacrifice a lamb and sprinkle the blood over the doorpost. And in Exodus 12 and 3, it says, Announce to the whole community of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, each family must choose a lamb or a young goat for a sacrifice, one animal for each household. If a family is too small to eat a whole animal, let them share with another family in the neighborhood. Divide the animal according to the size of, of each family and how much they can eat. The animal you select must be a one-year-old male, either a sheep or goat with no defects. Take special care of this chosen animal until evening of the 14th day of the first month. Then the whole assembly of the community of Israel must slaughter their lamb or young goat at twilight. They are to take some of the blood and smear it on the sides and the top of the door frame of the houses where they will eat the animal. Wow. So the instruction was to take a lamb, to sacrifice it, take the blood and sprinkle it on the on the sides and the top doorpost of their house going or the door going into their house. And then they were to take the blood, sprinkle it, and then they were to cook the lamb and have a Passover meal together. They were to share this meal together. Well, in verse 11, it says, these are your instructions for eating this meal. Be fully dressed with your sandals. Carry your walking stick in your hand. Eat the meal with urgency, for this is the Lord's Passover. On the night I will pass through the land of Egypt and strike down every firstborn son and firstborn male in the land of Egypt. I will execute judgment against all the gods of Egypt, for I am the Lord. But the blood on your doorpost will serve as a sign marking the houses where you are staying. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. This plague of death will not touch you when I strike the land of Egypt. All of a sudden, the Lamb of God takes on new significance, right? This is the story of God's miraculous deliverance of the children of Israel from Egypt. And so after this miraculous deliverance, from Egypt, God instructed them they were to celebrate this Passover every year in remembrance of his great deliverance, which is known as the Feast of Passover. And they continue to do this in Israel even today. Every year, 
They kill a lamb and they have a Passover meal in remembrance of what the Lord did. Now, what's so interesting about that is when Jesus went into Jerusalem to be crucified and died on the cross, it was during the feast of Passover. And so think about it. Every Israelite family in Jerusalem, they're celebrating the feast of Passover and everybody has a lamb. And they're getting ready to sacrifice that lamb. And thousands of lambs were sacrificed in Jerusalem as Jesus is coming in on the feast of Passover. And they're doing this in remembrance of the great deliverance. Are y'all tracking with me so far? Now here's the significance of Jesus the Lamb. Number one, the Lamb at Passover was to be perfect. In, in verse 5 of Exodus 12, the animal you choose must be one-year-old male without defect. And you may take them from the sheep or goats. The Lamb at Passover was an unblemished, perfect lamb without defects. Now, what, how is that similar to Jesus? Well, we know that Jesus was a perfect lamb, unblemished, right? In fact, look at this verse, 1 Peter 1.18. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. Jesus fulfilled the requirements for being the perfect lamb of God at Passover. That's why he was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And that's why he was born of a virgin, because he couldn't be stained with sin. He had to be that perfect lamb. And so he could fulfill the requirements of being that sacrificial lamb. He was without sin. The lamb at Passover was also sacrificed. In verse 6, it says, Take special care of this chosen animal until evening of the 14th day of this first month. Then the whole assembly of the community of Israel must slaughter their lamb or young goat at twilight. Now notice, they were to slaughter the lamb, meaning they were to kill their lamb forcefully and intentionally. I, I remember reading that they, they had to put their hand on the head of the lamb as they sacrificed it. Because the Lord wanted to know the payment that was required to cover sin. Did Jesus fit the role of being slaughtered as the lamb? Yes, He did. Jesus was slaughtered through crucifixion. When? During the Passover. In Mark 15.15, it says, Wanting to satisfy the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas to them, and he had Jesus flogged and handed over to be crucified. Jesus, the lamb, was slaughtered. He was flogged or scourged with a cat of nine tails. You know, you hear he was whipped, but he wasn't just whipped. He was scourged. This is a cat of nine tails. As you can see, there's multiple strands. They would put pieces of bone in every strand. And they would tie somebody either to a, a stake or to a post where their back was laid bare, and then they would scourge them. That's what they did to Jesus. They didn't just whip him with a belt. They scourged him. And then they, the Bible tells us they, they wove a crown of thorns, and they put it on his head, and they shoved it into his skull until the thorns were 
were sticking through his skull and blood began to drip. I don't mean to be morbid to you, but we have, before we can celebrate the resurrection, we have to understand Good Friday. Amen? And so, uh, his hands and his feet were nailed to the cross. Huge nails. And they nailed him to the cross. It, it wasn't little penny nails. It was big stakes that they, they, they hammered into the hands and the feet of Jesus. He was beaten so bad that the Bible says he was unrecognizable. And Isaiah 52, 14 says, but many were amazed when they saw him. His face was so disfigured, he seemed hardly human. And from his appearance, one would scarcely know that he was a man. I mean, look at this verse for a moment. Can you imagine what that must have been like? Beaten so severely that he seemed hardly human. And from his appearance, you would scarcely know that he was a man. Do you get that picture? Whenever they sacrificed the lamb at Passover, they slaughtered him. When Jesus came as the Lamb of God into Jerusalem, they slaughtered Him. That's what Good Friday is all about, my friends. The slaughtering of the Lamb in Exodus is a picture of the slaughtering of the Lamb of God that was crucified for us. 1 Corinthians 5-7 says, Christ, I Passover Lamb, has been crucified for us. The Lamb's blood had Passover covered and protected. God's instructions with the blood, with the lamb's blood, was very significant. In verse 7, they are to take some of the blood, smear it on the sides and top of the door frames of the house where they eat the animal. In verse 13, but the blood on your doorposts will serve as a sign marking the houses where you are staying. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. This plague of death will not touch you when I strike the land of Egypt. So the blood on the doorpost will serve as a sign marking the houses. Now, you know, think about that. Like, here's this death angel coming over Egypt. And it hits an Egyptian house. And it comes to the next house. There's blood on the doorpost. Boom. Skips right over it. It's a picture. You know, there. how many of you know there's power in the blood? There's power in the, the blood on the doorpost will serve as a sign. When I see the blood, I'm going to pass over you. The unblemished blood of Jesus, the Lamb, was another picture. Who the Lamb of God is, right? The blood of the Lamb provided supernatural covering and protection. There is power in the blood. I love Ephesians 2.13 says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near. How? By the blood of Christ. Amen. Listen, some churches have a bloodless gospel. No, we got to keep the blood in the gospel. It was too price, it, it was too precious. Amen. An old song that we used to sing years ago, uh, you know, whenever I first got here and got saved, we used to sing this song. There is power. There is power. There is wonder working power in the blood of the Lamb. Come on. I like to say that. There is power. There is power. There is wonder working power in the blood. Of the Lamb. Amen? Revelation 12 says they overcame by the blood of the Lamb. The blood of the Lamb provides supernatural covering and protection. Come on. How many of you glad about that this morning? Now here's the significance. 
of Jesus the Lamb to you and I, the practicality of it all. The Lamb reminds us of God's deliverance. Israel had been in slavery for 400 years, as, as we just talked about, and now they're about to get set free. In verse 30, Pharaoh and all his officials and all the people of Egypt woke up during the night. Loud wailing was heard throughout the land of Egypt. There was not a single house where someone had not died. Pharaoh sent for Moses and Aaron during the night, and he said, get out, he ordered. Leave my people and take the rest of the Israelites with you. Go and worship the Lord as you have requested. Take your flocks and herds, and as you said, and be gone. But I love this. Go, but bless me as you leave. Bless me as you leave. The Passover lamb in Exodus reminds us of how God delivered Israel from Egyptian bondage. And here's the picture. This deliverance in Exodus is a picture of what happens to us at salvation. Do you understand this, brothers and sisters? That when you got saved, you got covered in the blood of Jesus. Amen? This deliverance, Pharaoh in Egypt is a type of sin and Satan in the world, right? Pharaoh is a type of satanic oppression that seeks to oppress and enslave people in this world. But Jesus, the Passover lamb, reminds us of our hope of being delivered from the power of sin and Satan. How? Through the power of the blood of Jesus. Because we all have a sin problem. Romans 3.23 says everyone has sinned. We all face the same consequences of sin. Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death. I remember years ago, Brother Francis Bork was doing a Bible study. Some folks had asked him if he would do a Bible study. Remember that, Brother Francis? And uh, I was his worship leader. He asked me to come, and I was his worship leader. And so I would do worship, play my guitar. We'd sing the power in the blood of Jesus. And he would he and he preached the message: the wages of sin is still death. And I I want to I want to preach to you this morning. Is that all right, folks? The wages of sin is still death today. It's death. In the world, in church, we, we fail to talk about sin as much as we should. But sin brings death to your life. It kills you mentally. It kills you spiritually. It kills you emotionally. It kills you relationally. It kills you financially. You need to find out what sin is and stay away from it because the wages of sin is death. Amen? It's still death. And so sin oppresses and enslaves it's, it oppresses and enslaves. We become imprisoned. You know, we become imprisoned by guilt and with shame. We come, we don't realize that every time we sin, when we're living in sin, that there is something over us that won't allow us to break through into the level of blessing that God wants us to live in. Amen. Sin oppresses. I remember, you know, you've heard me tell this story, but the power of sin with guilt and shame. And, you know, I remember whenever I was young, remember me telling you the story about stealing that red baseball glove. Remember that? We're playing baseball. Everybody went. It was a brand new glove. I had an old glove. Didn't have money to buy a new one. So I went and stole my neighbor's, my friend's glove. And I hid it. And I can remember for years just dealing with that. I, I had his glove, but yet I hardly couldn't use it because I, I couldn't let anybody see it. But I was riddled with guilt and shame. I can't believe 
believe I stole my friend's glove. And then when I got saved, the thing that I kept remembering was, you stole that glove. Why this? I don't know. Because I, I think, you know, in a list of sins, I don't know that that one was at the top. But for some reason, maybe it was the one that God wanted me to deal with. But man, I can remember whenever I came to the realization that my sin was forgiven. Jesus forgave me. In fact, I felt so free. I called that brother up and said, man, I know you're going to think I'm crazy, but I stole your glove. He said, what? I said, you know, way back when we were kids, remember you stole, you lost your red glove. I don't remember that. Well, I did it, man. I, I tell you, you had a red glove and I stole it. And he's like, dude, I can't even remember. I had a red glove. I saw that guy not long ago. But are y'all with me? You see, Satan tempts us to sin. We sin. And then he enslaves us. Tiny and I was talking about this. It's like you're in this imprisonment. You're free. You go to work. You do whatever you want. But you're in a prison. You're in a jail cell. It's called sin. And in that cell is guilt and shame, embarrassment, death to your confidence, to your ability to worship God. But the good news is there's Passover. Amen. There's Passover. That's the good news this morning. He's the Lamb. The Lamb of God reminds us that we can be delivered from the power of sin and oppression and slavery. Amen. The blood that protected the children of Israel from the enslavement of Egypt is the same blood that covers us today and delivers us from the power of sin. Amen. Romans 7, 24 and 25. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Remember Paul saying, man, the things I want to do, I don't do. And the things I, I don't want to do, I end up doing. Man, who's going to set me free from this body of uh, this, the law of sin and death? And then he answers his own question. Jesus will. And so he says, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life dominated by sin and death? Thank God the answer is Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Come on. How many of you saved this morning? How many of you say, how many of you glad you're saved this morning? How many of you glad that the blood of Jesus covers you this morning? Amen. The Lamb of God delivers us from sin and sin's power. The Lamb reminds us of God's protection. The Passover Lamb in Exodus reminds us of how God protected Israel from the death angel. In verse 12, 13, Exodus 12, 13, the blood on your doorpost will serve as a sign marking the houses that you're staying. When I see the, the blood, I will pass over you. The plague of death will not touch you when I strike the land of Egypt. Think about the miraculous protection. Every house except the house with the lamb's blood will be struck by death. I would say that's divine protection, wouldn't you? This divine protection is a picture of what we can expect as children of God. That God's supernatural protection is over us. The lamb reminds us of God's Grace, a shield. What's that shield, honey, that's over Israel from the scud missiles? Y'all know what I'm talking about? The patriot, the patriot system. There, there's a shield over Israel. And whenever people try to bomb them, they got the, the, the scud missiles get intercepted. Do you know you have a shield over you? And when the enemy tries to send his scud missile, scud missile over you, something happens in the heaven. You didn't even know it was coming. 
But the Lord protected you. Amen. The blood of Jesus covers your house as a child of God. Come on. Listen. We, whenever we need help, we call 911. Help me, right? Come on. As a Christian, you got 911. Amen. I love it. Psalm 91 and verse 1. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge, my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For it is He who delivers you from the snare of the chopper and from deadly pestilence. He will cover you with His pinions and under His wings you may seek refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and bulwark. You will not be afraid of the terror by night or the arrow that flies by day of the pestilence that stalks and stalks in darkness or of the destruction that lays waste at noon a thousand may fall at your right side ten thousand at your right side but it shall not approach you praise ye the lord there's a refuge come on the blood covers amen that's god's promise of divine protection he will rescue you from every trap Protect you from deadly pestilence. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. Don't be afraid of the terrors of night. Can I, can I preach to you a little bit this morning? Don't be afraid of the terrors at night. The spirit of fear has been leashed on the United States of America. Don't let it come into your house. Don't be afraid of the disease that stalks in darkness. The Lamb of God, Jesus, reminds us of God's supernatural protection. You know, in my mind's eye, I like to symbolically, symbolically sprinkle the blood over my life. I remember years ago, Tony and I went with Brother Francis and Miss Babs on a conference. We're in that little turquoise Honda. Remember that, Miss Babs? And we were going to North Carolina and we got ready to go and Brother Francis and Miss Babs held hands and they started praying and they said, Lord, we plead your blood over this car and over our lives. We plead your blood over our girls and their families. We plead your blood over this house and our possessions. I remember something just dropping in my spirit. I'm going to start doing that over my house and my family. And I like to just symbolically just sprinkle the blood over my life, over my mind, over my heart, over my spirit. No, no, no. I don't want to be drawn into sin or temptation. I want to be free by the blood of Jesus Christ. I don't want to live enslaved in Egypt. I Listen, I don't want to live in the wilderness. I want to live in the promised land. I plead your blood over my precious bride. I plead your blood over my, my family, my son-in-law, my daughter, my granddaughter. I plead your blood over this church. I plead your blood right now. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the covering of the blood. Divine protection. Are y'all getting this this morning? The lamb is significant. Amen? I don't know if you're getting anything out of this, but would you pardon me as I just encourage myself this morning in the Word of God. Amen? I declare by faith the blood covers me. The death angel cannot touch me. Amen? And finally, the Lamb reminds us of our blessed and bright future. Come on, how many of you know you got a bright future? Now, some of you, you need to get this. God not only delivered Israel from Egypt, He blessed them as well. He blessed them as well. Exodus 12, 31, Pharaoh sent for Moses and Aaron during the night. Get out, he ordered. Leave my people. Take the rest of the Israelites with you. Go and worship the Lord as you've requested. Take your flocks and herds as you said and be gone. But bless me as you leave. There he goes again, right? 
Verse 35, And the people of Israel did as Moses had instructed. They asked the Egyptians for clothing and articles of silver and gold. The Lord caused the Egyptians to look favorably on the Israelites, and they gave the Israelites whatever they asked for. So they stripped the Egyptians of their wealth. Oh my goodness. Did you notice what Pharaoh said? Take your flocks and your herds. What was that? That was their prosperity. Now he could have said, you go believe that here. God instructed Moses, tell the people whenever they get ready to leave, hey, can I have your earrings? Can I have your gold necklace? Can, can I have your, your silver? Can I have this? And, and they say, oh, sure. Just get out of here. Just get out of here. Here, have it all. Here, here's my jewelry box. Have it all. And so the children of Israel left Egypt and they had all of this plunder. They had all of this plunder. They plundered Egypt whenever they left. What does that say? God doesn't deliver you from Egypt for you to live in the wilderness. God delivers you from Egypt to live in the promised land, the land flowing with milk and honey. Come on, y'all receive that today? Come on, you receive it? Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. See, they didn't leave Egypt in the, Egypt empty handed. So here's the message. Jesus doesn't want you to just live under the curse. He wants you to live blessed. He wants you to live under the abundance of God. Israel's blessing was a fulfillment of God's promise to Abraham. In Genesis 15, though the Lord said to Abram, you can be sure that your descendants will be strangers in a foreign land where they will be oppressed as slaves for 400 years. But I will punish this nation that enslaves them. And in the end, they will come away with great wealth. And what happened? They came away with great wealth. Now listen, the fact that the Israelites did not leave Egypt empty-handed is a fulfillment of God's promise. And God has promised us some things that we need to know about. In fact, He has promised us that because of the Lamb of God, we're not going to live under that feudal way of living anymore. Face 1 Peter 1.18 For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed, bought out of, purchased from, the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. See, God doesn't want you to live an empty life. Hear me this morning. God does not want you to live depressed. God does not want you to live discouraged. God doesn't want you to live unfulfilled. God doesn't want you to live this life of drudgery. He paid too high of a price. He gave His only begotten Son, His one Son. He gave Him up for you and I so that we could be delivered from Israel. I mean, from Egypt. But not just delivered from Egypt so that we could be blessed. Amen. And He says, listen, I delivered you from the feudal way that you inherited. Listen, sometimes we inherit feudal living. We inherit the sins of our forefathers. But praise God, I don't have to know what my grandpa did or my great-grandpa did. I don't have to know what sins were committed before I was even born. Thank God through the blood of Jesus Christ, I can be covered, I can be washed, I can be delivered, I can be set free. I don't have to live under the curse. I can live under the blessing of Abraham. Amen. Galatians 3 and 12, Christ redeemed us from the curse 
of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. When Jesus the Lamb was crucified on the cross, the Bible tells us that He took the crown of thorns. Remember the crown of thorns is part of the curse. In Genesis chapter 3, after Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, and he told the curse pronounced on man was by the sweat of your brow you're going to have to make a living in thorns and thistles. The thorns are part of the curse. When Jesus took the crown of thorns, it was symbolic. The scripture we just read in Galatians. We've been delivered from the curse. I'm not an Israelite. You know, you've heard people say, "Men, the Israelites are blessed." Men. People in Israel, they're blessed. You go to Israel. We, I've been a couple of times. They, they have more engineers. They, they're on the cutting edge of technology. We're not te teaching them. They're teaching us. They got more prosperity. The blessing of Abraham is on them. Thank God. I'm a Menard, but I got engrafted in. I got engrafted in. Amen. They, they, I got engrafted into the Abraham's tree. Amen. Come on. There might be some curses over there, but I ain't under that anymore. I'm under the blessing of Abraham. Can I encourage you? You a child of God, you got engrafted in too. You might be Boudreaux, Thibodeau, or who knows what, but I'm telling you, you got engrafted in. The Lamb of God allowed you to be free from the curse and be under the blessing of God. Amen. Come on. If you believe that, shout amen. 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 Whoo, glory. Jesus took the curse for us. You know, some of us might not have our house covered under the blood. We might not have the blood of Jesus covering our life. See, that happens when you get born again. When you get saved. Jesus covers our sins and He says, all you have to do is admit you're a sinner and ask me to forgive Him and I'll cover your See, the lamb, it, it atoned for the sin. And they had to sacrifice a lamb every day, twice a day, in the morning and night. And then on Passover. Well, we don't have to sacrifice lambs anymore because Jesus of the lamb was sacrificed once and for all, Hebrews tells us, so that our sins could be covered. I mean, I'm telling you, listen, I tried to do the right thing. I understand what Paul said. The things I want to do, I don't do. And, and the things I don't want to do, I end up doing. I, I wanted to be free from drugs. Couldn't do it. I, I'd, go, I'd go a week and fall off the wagon again. Man, sometimes I'd make it two weeks. Bam. See, some of us, we've been struggling with, with all kinds of oppression because we've never given our life to Christ. But once you give your life to Christ and He covers your sins, like the children of Israel in Egypt, you can be delivered. Amen? Would you bow your head with me this morning? If you hear today and say, Man, Todd, I need the Lamb this morning. I'm, I'm never surrendered my life. I've allowed pride. I've allowed my, mask, my, my ego or whatever. I always want to be in control, but man, I realize I need to surrender to Christ. I need my life covered with the blood of Jesus. Would you pray a prayer for me this morning? I'm ready to surrender.
If you're watching online, I encourage you, if you've never given your life to Christ, now's the time. So if you say, Todd, would you pray a prayer of forgiveness with me? Would you just raise your hand right now? Just lift your hand. And I want to pray for you. Thank you. I see your hand. Anybody else? Just raise your hand. I see your hand right over here. Right back here. I see your hand. Right over here. I see your hand. I see your hand. Thank you. Thank you. I see your hands. Thank you for just responding to God's nudge in your heart today. Can we just pray this prayer together as a family? Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you for shedding your blood so that I could be forgiven. I know I've sinned. And I'm sorry. Would you forgive me? I want to be free. Thank you, Jesus, for shedding your blood, your innocent blood, for my sins. I receive that gift of forgiveness through Christ. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. The Lamb of God. The Lamb of God. Now, if you prayed that, if you prayed that prayer, there's a card in the pew that says, I made a decision. If you bring it to the desk in the lobby, we have a gift for you. Just to, just to uh, a Bible if you need one, just to get, help you get started. But would you just stand with me? Before we go, I want to pray. I want to I agree with you. I want to pray it over me. I want, I want to pray it over my family. I want you to pray. Come on, how many of you believe today that Jesus is our deliverer? The death angel can't cover us. Amen? Come on, let's just take a moment right now and just... Come on, just let's lean into that. Just close your eyes right now. And just, just like your life is a house and the blood of Jesus is covering your soul this morning. Come on, just, come on. And, and Egypt has no power. Satan has no power. Temptation has no power over your life. Come on, declare it right now. The blood of Jesus covers you. Amen. Come on. The, the, the blood of Jesus delivers you from the power of sin. You're not going to live under sin's domain, under sin's control. You're going to be free to live for God, to serve God, to walk in obedience to God. Thank you, Lord, for the power of the blood and your deliverance right now. Father, I pray that, God, you would break the power of sin sins, temptation all for our lives right now. Lord, those that are in here that might be struggling, Lord, I pray your deliverance over them right now. Lord, I declare they're leaving Egypt today in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father, that the power of God is being released. Guilt and shame is being washed away. They will not be badgered by their past any longer. They will not be held by their past mistakes any longer. But I declare that guilt and shame, embarrassment of past sins are washed away today and your people are free in Jesus name. Now come on let's declare the divine protection of the Lord. Come on that shield that's over Israel is over us today. Come on the fiery darts of the enemy can't touch you. Can't touch your children. Can't. Come on declare it in Jesus name I declare we're covered under the blood. There's a protection over us. He's our refuge. Come on he deliver us from the snare of the trapper and deadly pestilence. Come on. Thank you, Lord. A thousand may fall at my side, 10,000 at my right hand, but it will not touch
touch me in Jesus name I declare the people of God their families their their spouse their children grandchildren their business their finances their relationships I declare it's covered today in the powerful name of Jesus Christ amen and amen if you agree shout amen 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 well God bless you have a great Palm Sunday and we're looking forward to seeing you on Resurrection Sunday amen try to bring somebody with you if you need prayer we'll be up here God bless you be blessed have a great day